Tonight we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 9. Um, but to get us thinking into it, I want us to think about how good has the year 2017 been so far, yeah? How good is 2017? No. Wow, okay. What about, what about all the good memes going around, yeah? Yeah. So many good memes. Actually, I've never really understood the complexity of a good meme. In fact, probably up until about maybe a couple of months ago, I must admit, I didn't even know who Harambe was. So, <laughs> there we go. But anyway, apparently there's some really good memes going around in 2017. So I asked Guy to send me through some of his best memes. And here, here they are for you. Number one. <laughs> Number two. I like that one. All right, it's pretty good. Number three. <laughs> Here goes number four. <laughs> there we go. 2017 made all the better by some good memes, yeah? But I reckon, oh no. I reckon there's one thing that has made 2017 even better, and that's the Chicken Big Mac. Yeah, Chicken Big Mac. I actually bought one. It's up at the sound desk. So does anyone want a chicken Big Mac to try? Vince, you can have a chicken Big Mac later or Mike will get it now for you. Either way. But it'll be a bit cold. You can have it later. You can have it later. Chicken Big Mac. I had one the other day and man, they are awesome. Two chicken patties. Same thing as a Big Mac. Two chicken patties. Special sauce, lettuce, cheese, onion, pickles, sesame seed bun. It's good. But there's actually been a lot of other good stuff going on in 2017, and actually probably some more serious stuff. Um, giant pandas this year went from being an endangered species to just vulnerable. That's pretty cool. More than 800,000 people in India got together to plant a record number of trees in one day. They planted 50 million trees. That's pretty good for the environment. Here's another one. The mother-to-child HIV transmission rate in, in um, Cuba has been reduced to zero. It was one of the highest in the world and now is zero in 2017. Seems like 2017 is pretty good time to be living in. But is it, is it all happy days? Well, actually, in 2017, we saw the premiere of the TV series Riverdale. And 2017 got a bit worse from there on, yeah? <laughs> but seriously, 2017 actually has been, it's been pretty horrific in, in many times. Yeah? This is actually serious now. It's been pretty horrific. We, not, we only have to think about the terrorist attacks in Manchester and London in the recent months. And we realise that 2017 uh, hasn't been all memes and chicken Big Macs. There's been some horrific stuff that's been happening in the world around us. There's actually a Wikipedia site that records every known terrorist attack by month. And I looked at it today and in June, so far, we're only at the 9th of June, but there's already been 43 terrorist attacks. Shootings, bombings, stabbings, people getting run down with cars. There's definitely some great stuff happening in this year but clearly it's not all happy days. Everything isn't all good. There's some terrible things happening in the world around us at the moment. And the question 
becomes then from this, has 2017 been all happy days or rather has it been more like terrible times? In and amongst everything that's going on in the world around us, how do we weigh up or how do we balance the tension between the good and the evil that we see? So the question we're going to be looking at tonight is, in 2017, are we living in happy days or are we living in terrible times? And that's the question that the Bible actually sheds light on from this passage we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But before we dig into it, let's pray. God, we, we realise that there's a bunch of good stuff going on in our world around us, uh, in your world, but we also realise that there's, there's some terrible stuff happening, especially in recent months with yeah, so many terrorist attacks and so many people um, dying in those events. But God, we pray tonight as we look at your word, we pray that you'll be speaking your truth to us. Um, speak the truth as to, so that we see the world for what it is, uh, but we also that we're also pointed to the hope that there is in Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. All right, so let's dig into 2, two Timothy chapter 3. And because in this, in this passage, Paul answers that question, are we living in happy days or are we living in terrible times? And actually, it it only takes us to look at verse 1 before we see the answer. And it's, we're living in terrible times. Now, remember, as we've been working our way through 2 Timothy so far, we've seen that Paul, who was one of the big-time leaders of the church back in the first century, he's writing to his apprentice, Timothy, who was actually one of the leaders at a church in Ephesus. And Timothy's job, as Luke showed us last week, was to basically pass the baton on to the next people after him. His job was to hold on to the true message about Jesus and like that relay baton, pass it on to reliable people who were coming up after him. But as we hit chapter 3, Paul reminds Timothy that that's not going to be an easy job. And the reason it's not going to be easy is because of the time that Timothy is living in. Timothy isn't living in happy days, but he is also living in terrible times. So you check out verse 1 there. Paul says, Mark, or he says, get hold of this. Notice this. There will be terrible times in the last days. See, Paul's saying to Timothy, it's not always going to be happy days, but there's going to be a time, and he calls it the last days. He says, and that's going to be a time that's terrible. Now, what does Paul mean when he talks about the last days? Well, it's actually a phrase that's used multiple times in the Bible particularly in the New Testament, but multiple times we hear of this phrase, the last days. And we'll actually look at one of those those passages. It comes in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It'll be up on the screen for you. But this is what it says. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But here it is, in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. You see, this verse is saying that there was a time in history, in the past, when God spoke to people through people called prophets. But now a different time has come, a time when God speaks to people through Jesus, his son. And Paul calls that time the last days. It's the time that was kicked off when Jesus actually came into the world as a man and spoke God's word to people. And it continues, that time, the last days continues 
until the time when Jesus is going to return as king and judge the world. You see, Paul, he was living in the last days. Timothy, I've, I've done a bit of a timeline here. This is the last days. Paul and Timothy were living in the last days. People like Napoleon was living in the last days. Abraham Lincoln was living in the last days. Harambe, living in the last days. So even youth, even now, us now, in this time, we're living in the last days. And in verse 1 here, Paul says to Timothy that the last days will be terrible times. We're living in terrible times. But what are these, what are these terrible times actually going to look like? Why isn't 2017 all happy days? Well, if you look at verses 2 to 5 in this passage... Paul runs through a pretty sucky description of what life will look like in the last days. It gets pretty depressing. But you'll notice as we read through these verses, there's one thing, that, there's one thing in common throughout this description, and it's that love, throughout these verses, is in the wrong direction. So read with me from verse 2. So this is talking, in the last days, Paul says, people will be lovers of themselves. Take note of that one, underline it. Lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents or rebellious. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. They'll be slanderous, which just means they'll be damaging in what they say. They'll be without self-control. They'll be brutal. Again, they'll be damaging not only what they say, but also what they do. Not lovers of the good. Treacherous, which means they'll betray and deceive each other. Rash, that is, they'll be reckless and act without considering others. Conceited, and that's just another way of saying they'll be lovers of themselves. And they'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a pretty terrible description of what it will look like to live in the last days. But did you notice the common theme running throughout that description? See, take that very first description in verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves. And then look at the last description in verse 4. People will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And when you read those two descriptions together, you get a pretty good summary of what life will look like in the last days. People will love themselves rather than loving God. You see, there it is, love in the wrong direction. You see, when we aim our love in the wrong direction, when we're self-centered and love ourselves, inevitably what follows is a world that's messed up. Just like you can see in that description that Paul gives. The people in these verses, the people who are boastful, they're proud, they're abusive, rebellious, unforgiving and brutal. And the list goes on. But you see, the attitude of, of that kind of heart is the result of a heart that's loving in the wrong direction. People are, people are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. But actually, you know what? In our day today, in 2017 now, that message of loving yourself isn't actually seen as such a bad thing, yeah? In fact, it's one of the messages that is really promoted. The love yourself message. 
We've got a couple of songs here. There was one, one song going around in the, in the 80s. It was written by, or it was sung by Whitney Houston, 1985. The song was The Greatest Love of All. And this is what part of that song says. It says, The greatest love of all, it's easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. That's what, that's what they say is the greatest love of all, learning to love yourself. Not learning to love God, the one who created you, the one who brought you into existence and who sus- continues to sustain you day by day. No, no, but according to that song, the greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. What about a song that maybe we, we know a bit better? Um, a song by Katy Perry, Firework. Can you remember how it goes? I'll start you off. You just got to ignite. Oh, no. Yeah, you just got to ignite the light and let it shine. Can anyone keep it going? Just turn the night. (laughs) I'm not going to keep it going. Baby, you're a firework. That's it. Come on, show them what you're worth. Make them go, oh, oh, oh. As you shoot across the sky, sky, sky. Baby, you're a firework. Come and let your colours burst. Make them go, oh, oh, oh. You're going to leave them falling down, down, down. But do you see what the message in that song is? The problem, the problem in that song is it's that you've got low self-esteem. Your self-esteem is too low. And the way you fix that is that you've got to ignite the light inside of you. You've got to start loving yourself a bit more. And when you find a way to love yourself a bit more, you'll become like a firework. Your colours will burst out and you'll manage to shoot across the sky and you'll own that night. People will be going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but you see, that, that's the message in that song that you've got to, the answer is you've got to love yourself. And that's the message actually that we see all around us. Yeah? On Facebook, Instagram, it's chockers with it. Disney movies promote it. And you know, there's a lot of helpful stuff in that message with, with self-esteem. But ultimately, when you look at that message, the world is promoting exactly what the Bible says is wrong with the world. Paul says, we're living in terrible times because people will be lovers of themselves and not lovers of God. Love there is in the wrong direction. Which makes us actually, should us make us ask the question of what is the right direction? And it's pretty obvious in verse 4 there, the right direction of love is that we should be lovers of God. Jesus actually says that himself. He says the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. But you see, the problem we face is that we're actually sinful. We heard about this on fat, yeah, when we looked at total sin. We're in a world that's sinful. We've rejected God. We don't love him as we should. And we live in a world and we promote this message of loving ourselves rather than loving God. And the Bible teaches us that we're actually unable with our own efforts to love God. So check out Romans 8 verse 7 on the screen. It says, The mind that's governed by the flesh, well that's basically saying the human mind is actually hostile to God. That doesn't sound very loving. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So we remember that Jesus said the the greatest commandment, the greatest law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your mind and all your soul. This verse is saying, we can't do that. We can never do that. Which actually leaves us in a pretty, pretty desperate situation. Leaves us up a creek without a paddle. But the Bible has hope for us. The message of Jesus has hope for us. See, check out one last time with me, one verse on the screen. It's a verse I've been stewing over in the last couple of days and there is such hope in this verse. I'm absolutely loving it. This verse comes from John, 1 John 4 verse 10 and it says this, it says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Even in our sin, even in our rejection and rebellion against Him, He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So that is, Jesus died as a sacrifice to pay the punishment for our sin, the punishment of, for our rejection and rebellion against God, so that we could be brought into relationship with God and love God like we always should have. I've actually chatted to a bunch of you guys uh, in the past and you've said stuff along the lines of this. I want to come to youth more because I want to love God more. Which is awesome. That's awesome to hear. You've come to realize that your love is actually in the wrong direction. You're loving yourself more than you're loving God. But my fear is actually that there's some of you here tonight that are misunderstanding your situation. So you on your own can't, are unable to love God like you should. You need to trust Jesus. See, back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says in verse 5 there, there'll be some people who have the form of godliness, or another word is to say, have the form of religion, but are denying its power. See, do you have a form of religion? Are you coming to youth, saying the right things, hanging out with the right people, but actually denying the power of Jesus to change your life and to change you from being someone who loves yourself to someone who loves God. See, that can only happen because of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. All right, let's move on and cover the rest of these verses. Um, We've seen so far that we're living in terrible times where people will be lovers of themselves rather than the lovers of God. Love is in the wrong direction. And remember that Paul in these verses is writing to Timothy, who's his apprentice. And what does Paul want Timothy to do in these terrible times? Well, in the last few verses of our passage, Paul tells Timothy to watch out. Firstly, watch out for what? We'll check out the second part of verse 5 there. He says, have nothing to do with such people. Now, what people is he talking about here? Well, he's just been talking about the people in verse 2 to 5 who are the people who love themselves rather than love God, which actually we've seen is everyone. That's the situation of everyone. So does Paul want Timothy to have nothing to do with anyone? Well, no, in these verses, Paul has gone from talking about people in general who are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God to talking about specific people who are promoting that message in the church. See, Paul's been banging on about him right throughout uh, both 1 and 2 Timothy, two letters written to Timothy, and he's been talking about people who are false teachers. You might remember a couple of the names in, in chapter 2. He mentions the names of Hymenius and Philetus. 
Paul wants Timothy to watch out for these guys. But what are they like? Well, we actually see that in verse 6 as we read on. He says in verse 6, They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. Now, we'll come back to that bit in a bit. But notice how that Paul describes these people in a sneaky way. They're not upfront about what they're doing. They're trying to gain control and power by being sneaky. And then in verse 8, take a look at that one. He says, just as Janes and Jambres, sounds a bit Spanish, eh? Just as these guys opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. Now, who were these guys, Janes and Jambres? Well, they weren't Spanish. They were actually a couple of guys who were Egyptians, magicians. The Bible actually doesn't talk about them anywhere else, um, but a couple of other, other writers have written about them, and they say that they were the magicians in Pharaoh's court. If you can think back to the Old Testament, when we, when we read about Moses in Egypt, and when Moses confronted Pharaoh, because Pharaoh had God's people in slavery in Egypt, Moses confronted Pharaoh, and these guys opposed Moses. They were magicians who opposed Moses and the truth that he spoke. And so Paul says to Timothy, just like these guys opposed Moses, there's going to be false teachers around you who oppose the truth. They're going to oppose the truth of Jesus, who he is, what he achieved when he died and rose again. And they're going to live a life of love for themselves and teach people the same thing by the way they live and by what they say, to love themselves rather than love God. And Paul says to Timothy, watch out. Has anyone seen the documentary Meerkat Manor? This is one of my favourites. I love, I absolutely love meerkats. Um, I, I went on safari in Africa, and we were, um, we spent about just three hours watching meerkats. They're, they're so good to watch. They're doing everything. But meerkats actually live in families that they call colonies, and they each each of the meerkats has a different role in the colony. There's some of the meerkats that are the hunters, and they go out and hunt for like scorpions and insects. Sounds weird calling them hunters, but that's what they call them. Um, but they hunt for insects, and there's some of the meerkats who are like the babysitters. They stick back in the, in the burrows, and they look after all the baby meerkats. And then there's other meerkats who are like the guards. They're on watch while everyone else is out, because there's a lot of dangerous animals in Africa. And while all the other meerkats are out hunting, these guys stick around, and they stand up like that, and they just keep watching everywhere. You see, Paul is telling Timothy in this passage to be like a meerkat for the church at Ephesus. Watch out, be on guard, be looking around and identify these people who are likely to lead people away from the truth of God's word. You see, we too need to be watching out for these kinds of false teachers today. People who oppose the truth. But we need to be aware that they're not always going to be obvious. And sometimes it's not even going to be the teachers that are obvious, but they're teaching. See, we're hearing messages every day, yeah, that are in opposition to God's truth. We've seen the messages in the songs that we've just or just heard. But what about the movies and TV that we watch? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to music and watch TV and movies, but are we watching out for the messages that are in these shows? Yeah, what, what, are these, what are the messages that are being sent into our minds? 
And are we aware that they might, some of them might be, in, might be contrary to God's truth? Or what about messages on Facebook? Now, as we scroll through our Facebook feed, we're being bombarded with messages and teaching from the world. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's subtle. Maybe it's that comment that one of your friends makes about your photo that makes you love yourself just that little bit more. See, we need to be constantly watching out and not gullible. In verse 6, Paul talks about teachers gaining control over gullible women and teaching them what is false. So that the result is, he says that they're always learning, in verse 7, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, Paul isn't having a go at women in these verses, saying that they're all gullible. He's actually having more of a go at corrupt men in these verses. But we all need to be watching out so that we're not gullible when it comes to what we believe. I can be as gullible as any of these women back that Paul was talking about in the first century. And see, if you're a Christian, you need to be watching out for false teachers and false messages. You need to be like that meerkat who is always on guard duty, watching out for the dangers of false teaching, false messages that can potentially lead you and your family in Christ away from the church away from the truth. But we also need to be closely watching our own lives. It can be our own lives that actually lead others away from the truth. And so the question is, how much are we, or how much are you like the world in self-love? When people look at your life, do they see someone who loves the Lord with your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your soul? Or do, you, do they see someone who acknowledges God, yeah, maybe calls himself a Christian, but when you look at your life, you're actually someone who loves yourself more than God? So that's a tough question to ask, and I feel that when I ask that, when I look at my own life. But if you're a Christian tonight, you need to ask that question, how much are you like the world in self-love? When you go, go home tonight, maybe think back through your week this week. What did you spend your time doing? That'll soon reveal how much you love yourself as compared to God. What did you spend your money on this week? The same thing applies. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. What makes you feel good? Is it always your achievements, your success? See, these are tough questions to ask and none of us, if we ask them, are able to say, yeah, yeah, I'm a lover of God rather than a lover of myself. Because of our sin. We're going to sing a song now um, that's, that's called Rain in My Life. And I just want to get us to think about what these verses are actually saying. Because as we read these verses in 2 Timothy 3, it's pretty confronting. And it's a pretty sad picture of our world. But this, this song offers us so much hope. It says, and should be our response as we as we read these verses tonight. The song says, I'm here on my knees, I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm ashamed of what I've done. I'm ashamed of what I love. I'm ashamed of the life I live and promote. But it's by your victory that I come. The victory of Jesus on the cross. I crawl to your cross, take my pride away, take my self-love away, Take my love of myself away. Take this sinner's soul to find your saving grace. 
How good is that song as a reminder of what Jesus has done for us? People who love ourselves rather than loving God. You see, we're living in terrible times now. We're living in a world where love is in the wrong direction. People are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. And we need to watch out so that we and others don't live a life of loving ourselves rather than loving God. But we have hope in Jesus. These false teachers had a form of religion but denied its power. You see, Jesus is that power. Jesus is the one who saves us from being in the mess of loving ourselves and transforms us to be people who can love God and love others more than ourselves. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's been confronting tonight as we've seen um, the situation of our world as we live in the last days where people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of you. God, we acknowledge that that's, that's the same for us. Um, in our sin, we reject you, we've rebelled against you. Um, we love ourselves more than you. But God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you recognize our situation, you saw our situation, knew our situation, and you sent Jesus to die for us, to save us from that. God, we pray as we continue on tonight and hanging out with each other, pray that we will be enjoying uh, join ourselves, enjoying the rest of this night. But God, we pray that we'll be talking to each other about the realities of the world we live in um, and offering and sharing each other with each other the hope that we have in Jesus. Pray these things in his name. Amen.